uh, this message series in the church. Uh, we're talking about the local church. We're not talking about Big C Church. We're talking about the local church and what a healthy local church should look like. Um, how many of you know that not every local church will look the same, right? And praise God that not every local church looks the same. Um, I always tell people, this may not be the church for you, but there is a church out there for you. Um, and I'm more than okay with that. There's amazing pastors in this community who I love supporting. And so I always, I, what's also nice is I know the local churches. So depending on what people are looking for, I can be like, hey, you need to go check out Bethel Nazarene, or you need to go check out Living the Word. Uh, do I believe we have a great church here? Yes, I do. And I want as many people here as we can, but I recognize that that's not always the case. Chloe, I'm going to do the intro, and then I'm going to hand it back to you, okay? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We do not come to the local church only to worship. This is not, that is a temple mindset. That is the way that it existed in the Old Testament. But instead, the Spirit of God dwells within us, and therefore, we can worship Jesus anywhere. Right? Now, the, the good thing about this is that that gives us opportunity and access. Praise God. What this also does is some people use this as an excuse. It's amazing what the sun is doing today. There's like huge shadows casting. But anyway, what, um, back to, uh, but what people use sometimes, they use this as an excuse to say, well, I don't have to go to church because I can worship Jesus at home. We've all heard this excuse. We're not going to get into it. Maybe you've used it at some point in the past. And so what this entire series is about is helping us understand the importance and the purpose of the local church. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. These this passage right here teaches us that, one, we should be able to access God wherever we are. But then, in verse 24, the author changes and said, and, and, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You have to understand that the purpose of the local church is something that happens when we come together, and it can only happen when we come together. We can worship God anywhere, but when we come together, we are taught to encourage and to spur and sometimes to kick in the pants, right? That's just what we have been called to do. So churches are supposed to be places of encouragement. And we talked about how we are to encourage one another within the local church that you shouldn't just look to your pastor to be the only one who encourages you when you come to church. That's too much of a burden for me to bear, right? All of us should be looking for opportunities to encourage one another in our lives. You see on Facebook somebody struggling or going through something, and you see them on Sunday morning. Go up and talk to them about it. They're obviously willing to put it in the public out, out, out atmosphere, so you go ahead and have that conversation with them, right? Hey, I saw that you're struggling right now. How can I pray for you? 
Can I bring you a meal? Can I, what can I do to help you in this season? We also talked about how corporately we're encouraged by biblical preaching, not just self-help talks, right? The word of God is alive and active. And we talked about how pastors who don't preach the word of God are not, I'm sorry, pastors. The word of God is the only authority that I have. So I preach the word of God. The other thing we talked about is how healthy churches promote spiritual disciplines. They say, hey, this isn't the only place that you should encounter Jesus from Sunday to Saturday. That you should be spending time in the word on your own, spending time in prayer on your own. This is the importance of encouragement. Last week, we talked about how we should be thankful for our church, thankful for the local church, because it is a place where we can be encouraged, where we can be motivated, which is what we're going to talk about today, where we can be held accountable. Listen, sometimes we need things that don't feel good, right? It doesn't feel good to step into a doctor's office when you have been gaining weight, which I had to do this past week. It was before Thanksgiving, which made it even worse. Because I was like, yeah, it wasn't Thanksgiving. I put on weight. And I was like, I recognize the problem, and I know I need to lose weight. It's going to be okay. I've already started losing weight. And I have. I have started losing weight again. But I need that. I need to go to a doctor's appointment for the doctor to say, hey, like, your numbers are good. You're doing well. And sometimes I need to go to the doctor and say, hey, your triglycerides are high. What have you been eating? Yeah, I've been doing well. That accountability from my doctor is important. And the same thing should be happening in our local church. Now, that does not mean that every person holds everybody accountable. Amen? Right? I've, I've talked about to the church before. I said, listen, the board has been elected and put in place, and they are there to hold me accountable. I don't need every single one of you coming up to me and saying, pastor's blowing it in this way. Right? Just like not a single person in this room needs every single person to come up to them and say, hey, you know, I saw what you were doing the other day. Yeah, okay, I get it right? We should have relationships with one another, and in those relationships, we should hold each other accountable. So today we're talking about, and Chloe, it's back to you now, okay? Today we're talking about how a local church should motivate us, and it motivates us in two specific ways. The first way is that it should motivate us to pursue others. We call this our purpose. It's on the wall back there. Our purpose is to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 2018, 2018, 28, beginning in verse 16, we find this passage of scripture that is so very famous, it's known as the Great Commission. But oftentimes we only read 28, 19, and 20. I'm going to begin in verse 16 to kind of illustrate some things and the importance and the beauty that is Jesus giving us the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As I said, those last two verses, whenever you hear the Great Commission talked about, it's those two. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I mean, if, you, if you've been in a local church, you know that this, this is talked about so often. The gospel, the good news, is that even though we are 
I'm sorry, I should say, were far from God and we had no way to be at one with God because of our sin, because of the decisions that we've made, because of the sin that we were born into, we were unable to be in relationship with perfection. That is God himself. But what God does is he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to die on a cross so that he could be the payment for our sin. The good news is that we can be made at one with God again because of Jesus, not in anything of ourself. Why is this good news? This is really good news for your friends, and this is really good news for our culture because our culture believes that God is an earned God, but instead he is not. He is a, God, he is a receiveth God. I'm going to say that one more time because I stumbled over it. Our culture believes that God is an earn it from me God, but he's not. He is a receive it from me God. And thank Jesus for that. Because I am weak in and of myself and there was no possible way for me to earn my way into relationship with him. But he gave his son so that I could receive what he has for me. We should be motivated to share with others about this. Because listen, I assure you that your friends who are not following Jesus do believe that they have to earn. Which is why you hear things like, well, I can't step foot in a church because the lightning will strike it. Or I'm going to be struck by lightning. Or there's no way I could do that because you do not understand the things that I have done. Listen, it's nothing that you can earn. It, anybody can walk through the doors of a church because all that matters is you being willing to say, hey, I'm willing to receive what God has for me. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's great news. That's great news that I can be a different person. I can be made whole. I can be regenerated through Christ. So what I love about this is that the good news that we are commanded to bring is actually good news. But this isn't just the end of it, right? That's what we tell, hey, this is what you need to share. This is what you need to do. You need to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. But what does he say at the end? He says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He doesn't just say go. He says go, but understand I'm going to go with you through my Holy Spirit. I've shared a story before. Um, when I, I used to not be as big as I am today, and now people think twice before they try to do, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown adult, so people aren't stupid. But even in late high school, college, I was bigger, so people wouldn't really tease me anymore because they were afraid of what I could do physically. It's just the way it was. Mom, I don't think you were here for this story, so it's going to be new to you. Uh, but in fifth grade, I wasn't as big. I was a skinny kid. I was just, I was just average-sized and stuff. And uh, I was getting bullied uh, in the cafeteria, okay? But what you also have to understand is that there was this kid named Kevin who I was friends with. He lived in the neighborhood across the street. And Kevin and I were close friends. And Kevin always was next to me. You remember the story, don't you, Jacob? No, you don't remember the story. Okay. And this was before foam trays. Okay, this is when we have plastic trays in the cafeteria. 
And so what ended up happening was this one kid thought he was going to cut in the line in front of me and he was going to bully me into making me say, hey, yeah, that's fine. You can get in front of me. But see, here's the problem is Kevin was behind me. And though Kevin was not average size, Kevin had grown bigger uh, sooner. And so what happens is this kid starts bullying me and picking on me and saying, well, I don't care what you're going to do. And Kevin takes his plastic lunch tray, gets in front of me and whacks the kid on the head. It's one thing to stand in a line alone. It's another thing to stand in a line with Kevin. You don't get sent out into the world alone. You get sent out into the world with the creator of the universe by your side, living within. The one who raised himself from the grave, Jesus Christ has given you his spirit that dwells within you. So when he sends you out and says, listen, I'm telling you to go and I'm telling you to do something that may appear a little scary and intimidating, but understand that I am going with you you. That kind of makes you stand up a little straighter and be a little more confident in the way that you convey the gospel of Jesus Christ, does it not? But what I love, what I love is that this isn't the whole picture of what he says in the Great Commission, because what happens before is Jesus, in the scripture, it says that some doubted. Some still doubted about after the resurrection, they've witnessed him walking around, being alive after him being dead, but still some doubted. And the first words that Jesus says after that scripture is what? All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Church, I don't, I don't know about you, um, but... There's two ways to look at this that are both, like one is just like, oh, I better get to this. The other one is like, oh. The first one being this. Uh, you know, I used to work at a local YMCA branch, and my boss's name was David Halley. He was the camp director, and, and David uh, was awesome director. Amanda, my sister, worked with David as well. Great boss, right? First boss, I worked under him for five years. Great man. He was a man of God as well, which made it even more awesome. And uh, whatever David said to do, I had to do, right? Because he had authority over me. But there was also this woman who was the head of the branch. I don't remember her name because I didn't have to interact with her as much. Uh, Let's just call her, is there any Susans in the room? Perfect, Susan. Her name was Susan. If Susan was on the premises of the camp, and Susan came to you, which happened to me at one point, and Susan says, hey, Jonathan, I need you to go do this. Guess what I'm going to do in that moment? I'm going to do whatever Susan tells me to do. Because Susan has authority over David. She has authority over me. She has authority over the entire facility and the premises because she is the head of the branch. So the first thing we have to do when Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, what we have to understand is that Jesus is the one in charge of it all. Therefore, we should be willing to be obedient to what he says. He's in full control. He has authority. The second part of it is partnered with the end. He says, I have all authority, so go. And that authority that I referred to earlier, it goes with you. That should make you feel a little bit different. 
when you're talking about Jesus with your neighbors, when you're talking about Jesus in your friendship groups and in your families, we should be a little more bold understanding that the one who has full authority dwells within. That should motivate us. Now here's the other side to this, and if you know me, you know this about me. That does not mean that we become, uh, I don't want to say pushy in a negative way, When Jesus often would go to heal somebody, he would say something along the lines of, what do you want? Or do you want to be made well? Jesus, as strong as he was, as bold as he was, as uh, rigid, because at times he was rigid as he was, he was also a gentleman in how he did things. That does, so what I'm saying is, you don't go up into uh, family dinners this Christmas time and you call out the demons and your grandchildren, or your nieces and nephews, and you don't say, if you don't get your life right, your life's going to go to heck. Like, you don't do that. Why? Because what that does is that puts Jesus in the wrong frame of mind. He's not a earn it. He's a receive it God. So instead, when you go to have these conversations, you say, man, you got to understand, like, life has been really rough, or it's been great this year. You frame it however you want. You got to understand, though, what Jesus has done for me this year. I wasn't in a car accident in 2021, and I've yet to get in one in 2022. I'm now a month away. That's, you might say, that is a praise of the Lord, because 2018, 2019, 2020, they all had their accidents, right? And you got to understand, like, 2022, though, was the year of deliverance from debt. And, like, Listen, I gave, I, I sacrificially gave, I gave beyond the tithe to the local church and to missionaries and believe that as I gave, God would be faithful and, and he would fulfill his promises to me. And guess what? Yeah, I'm out of debt. Praise God. And some people would go, well, blah, 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 blah. No, you got to understand. Like I have a back injury that has the potential to destroy my life. And yet here I am still able to move and get along and actually pick things up and work well. Why? Uh, it's the hand of God. And one day I believe that he will fully heal and restore my back. And I believe he's going to do it on this side of heaven. And if he waits till then, he does. But I believe it's going to happen. So when we talk about all of these things, we have to understand that we have been called by God to pursue others. Jesus commands it. Go and make disciples. And our local churches should be motivating us to do that. And we talk about that as our purpose. The other thing that the local church should be telling you or pushing you or motivating you to do is to pursue Jesus yourself. Pursue Jesus yourself. What's, what so often happens in, in Christian environments and in churches is people rely on the environments that they're in to be the things where they encounter Jesus. So Back in the 90s, right, when you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, some of you were like, listen, Pastor, we can go back to the 70s and say the same thing, or revivals, you know, we went Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, fill in the blank. But that was the only time that people would encounter with God. They would go home and they would say, well, I'm just waiting for Wednesday. When I first got to our church here, one of the things that just drove me bonkers would people would say things like, I can't wait until this event. I can't wait till that event because God always seems to move there. God always seems to move there. Why can't God move now? 
Why can't God move on Tuesday when you're driving to work in your car and you're having a mental breakdown because things aren't going well at home and you pour yourself out before him and say, God, I am at my end. And God just fills you with his presence and fills you with peace and joy that's unexplainable. That is what can happen at any moment. You don't have to wait for then. Now is the time. Jesus having a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well. Famous passage of scripture. Jesus is, is talking with this woman and they're having this little bickering session because Jesus is like, hey, give me a drink. And she's like, well, blah, 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 blah. Like, aren't you supposed to not talk to me? Like, we're not supposed to get along. And she, he's like, yeah, but you know, you, if you knew who asked you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink. But God has, because I have living water. And she's like, where is this well that you draw living water from? And he's like, blah, blah, blah. And regards to the fact that he says, hey, listen, understand. You say that we, she says, you say we should worship here. We say we should worship here. And she, and then she finally gets to this point where she says, listen, like it, it is what it is, but understand that when the Messiah comes, when, when the one who will come to save and unite comes, then we'll understand all of this. And Jesus looks at her and says, I am the one. Now, in the midst of all of this, what does he also do? He reveals to the woman that he knows something he shouldn't know, that she's had multiple husbands, that she's with a man who's not her husband now. And this woman is obviously stuck until finally she recognizes who he is and says, you're right. So what is, what is her response at one point? I'm sorry, what is Jesus' response in teaching, though? He said, a time is coming. This isn't in notes. This is just me off the top of my head. A time is coming and has now come when the worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. We exist in that time. We exist in a time where we don't have to worship at the local church. Though, praise God, we can. But we exist in a time where we can worship in spirit and in truth at any moment, at any time. And Lord, forgive us for not taking advantage of it. Think of the impact that it could have on your life if you actually stopped in your day and worshiped Jesus, if you stopped in your day and read his word, if you stopped in your day and prayed. Sometimes, this is what pursuing Jesus looks like. It looks like, hey, I'm on the outside. I'm living my life. I'm doing whatever the heck I want to do. Having five husbands with a man now who's not my husband. Throwing my life away in multiple ways. And I have an encounter with Jesus and I say, you have to understand now I've crossed this line. I was one person. I'm a new person. And now I'm going to tell everybody about it. Right? She, does, she fulfills both in that moment, right? She says, well, I recognize who you are and you're worthy of worship because you're the Messiah. But also she, what does she do? She leaves and she goes into the town and tells as many people as she possibly can. Why? Because she recognized not only her opportunity to pursue Jesus, but also her opportunity to pursue others and reveal who Jesus was. For some of you, worshiping or pursuing Jesus, that's what it looks like. It's just instantaneous change. For some of us, and you know, this is, I, I don't know why this happens for me more often. I think it's just the way that I minister, but oftentimes when I'm discipling somebody, uh, they don't notice a fast change. What ends up happening is I'll, I'll meet with somebody for like a year, or I'll meet with somebody for a couple months, and then what will happen is they'll look back at some point, and they'll go, 
man, I used to be so angry all the time. And now I'm not. Or the words that used to fly out of my mouth, every other word used to be this, and now it's not. Man, I used to, I used to be so uh, depressed every winter. And then I recognized it. And now I'm not. And see, what happens over time is the fruit of the Spirit begins to dwell within us as we constantly pursue Jesus. So, you know, woman at the well, she has this instantaneous change, and she just begins sharing right away. But for some, and again, this happens a lot with people that I talk with, is this, this, this overtime change that people, as they encounter the Holy Spirit, begin to see a change in their life over time, and then they go, wait a second. Like, I, like it, in this exact situation, eight months ago, I would have punched a wall. And yet now, I'm sitting here catching my breath saying, Jesus, help me. And I can have a common conversation after the fact. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwelling within transforms you. So sometimes that's what pursuing Jesus looks like. And then there's this other story found in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. I've, I've walked through, I think we walked through this story in Mark a couple months ago. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. There were 12 disciples who were called by Jesus to follow that responded. And here we have a 13th disciple who never accepted the call. Peter left his fishing business to follow Jesus. Matthew left being a tax collector to follow Jesus. You go down the list of the disciples, every one of them had to sacrifice something to follow Jesus. And this young man who comes before Jesus, recognizing him as a good teacher, recognizing him as someone obviously divine in some nature, says, hey, your sacrifice is that you must give up what you have. And the man obviously goes away sad, unwilling to accept the call. Church, sometimes pursuing Jesus looks, and all too often it always is, because it always is, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. For some of us, it means sacrificing our time. Because time is your most precious commodity, and if you can control your time and you can control your schedule, then everything's going to be okay. But what Jesus says is, no, you need to sacrifice your time for me. 
For some, it's finances. For some, it is finances. Because if you can control your finances and everything, listen, I mean, the economy's falling apart. And I need to make sure everything's in place. And I need to make sure that I am ready for what is to come. But Jesus says, yeah, but do you trust me? Or do you trust yourself more than me? For some of us, it's understanding that sacrifice, that the tithe is a command. And when we walk in that obedience, we'll receive the promises of that. The truth is Jesus is always calling us further into relationship with him. You know, I've chosen to marry Julie. You saw her on the screen earlier. She's in the back with the kids. And uh, one of the things I've learned about being married for a little over 10 years, and some of you have obviously been married a lot longer than I have, some of you less, but I don't actually, yeah, nope. I think everybody here is, yep, okay, never mind. Moving on. One of the things I know about my wife is I love her, and I've committed myself to her. And if my wife comes up to me with something like, hey, can we do this? I'm much more willing to do that than if my sister were to come up to me and say, hey, can we do that? So like if Amanda were to come up to me and say, hey, I want to do this, I'd probably be like, no, I'm not doing that. And then if Julie were to come up to me and say, hey, do you want to do this? I'd be like, yes, because I've committed myself to her. I left her in the dust. I left her with my parents. And now she's, now she's married to Casey and she's living a good life. Congratulations. But... I love you guys. But do you understand the difference between that commitment and say, yeah, I may want, I may want to stay home and play Madden, which is what I like to do. I don't get to do it often because I'm a dad and a pastor and a husband. But when my wife says, hey, you know, I'm struggling today. Can we just go take a hike? You know what, dear? Yeah, let's go take a hike. It's going to be better for me. It's going to be better for you. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. Can we go get a Frosty? Yeah, let's go get a Frosty. Why? Because I love my wife, and I'm committed to my wife, and I want to make her happy. And oftentimes, what ends up happening in our relationship with God is because we can't see him, we often don't think about or reflect on what he's asking of us because we don't take the time to actually communicate with him. But if we actually stopped and spent time with him, what would Jesus call you to today? What would he be calling you to sacrifice? Maybe it's your talent. I mean, listen, some of us have different giftings that our church needs, right? I mean, we, listen, uh, obviously today we have 20 plus people out between sickness and travel. And so obviously we're running on skin and bones (laughs) in regards to volunteers and team members. But what would happen if we came together as a church and said, hey, You know, I am really good with people, and I'm willing to host. I am really good at small conversations, so I'd be great at the door. Because here's the deal. If you're better at deep conversations than small conversations, which is who I am, I am terrible at small talk, and I'm great at deep conversations. I am not a door greeter. Because all I'm going to do is block the doorway, having a conversation with somebody about their life. That is not a job for me. Um... And it's just because I'm introverted. I'm introverted, so that's the way God designed me. But when we're talking about Jesus calling us deeper, Jesus commanding us to go and understand that we have purpose to reach others, this is what a local church is for. A local church is in place to push you to pursue Jesus 
not just here, though the reason why we obviously do things here is to help, one, to teach us what it looks like, right? It also teaches us to understand that we're not alone. You know, I love that, I, I love, even this morning, I heard of another person inviting somebody to our church who will one day step foot through these doors, I declare in faith. And I hear that so often. And I love that as a pastor. Why? Because you're not called, I'm going to say this, be, the wording is going to be confusing a little bit, but you have to understand. You are not called to be Lord of the harvest. You are called to go. It is not your responsibility that someone might be saved. It is your responsibility that someone might know how to be saved. You can invite 100 people and every single one of them say no, and your pastor is gonna be so proud of you because you're doing what God has called you to do. You could go and invite three people and three of them come. It does not make you better than the person who invited 100 and it doesn't make you less. We're called to do our part. We talked about that last week. This is why we encourage you to be a part of our prayer services but you're gonna hear about more opportunities in the new year, which I'm really excited for. That's why we encourage tithing out of obedience because we believe that it unlocks promises for, from God for your life. This is why we encourage you to turn to Jesus more than anything in this life. This is why we encourage you every Sunday. If you have not picked up on this, by the way, um, I do things in rhythm. So whenever I close service, I pray what? If you haven't picked up on how I pray, I pray the banners. <laughs> Jesus, help us to live in pursuit of you this week, spending time in prayer and your word. Help us to take time to pray for the needs of others with ever op every opportunity presented to us. May we live this life with the purpose that you have called us to, to make a difference in the lives of others that they may come to be a part of your kingdom. And may we do it all in the power of your Holy Spirit. Every Sunday I pray that for us. Why? Because that is what God has called us to do. Sometimes I make really bold statements, and this is a really bold statement. A church that allows you to stay where you are spiritually is not a church. A church that allows you to stay where you are spiritually is not a church. Now, if you choose to stay where you are on your, of your own volition, that's on you. And that's fine. You can keep coming here. I'm happy that you're here. I want you here because I believe that at some point something will connect and you will say, I need to spend time with Jesus at home as well. I need to spend time in prayer. I need to spend time in worship. And listen, for some of us, for some of you, it will just start with shifting the music that you listen to and that's how you'll spend time with Jesus. You're like, I don't know how to pray. Well, then find a great worship band and put it on and just sing the lyrics. Just start there. <laughs> start with writing a list of things that you can pray for, of not just for your benefit, but for your family, for your church, for your community. Write it down and just pray them. And what you'll see over time is that Jesus is going to move in your life. Wednesday night, what I love right now, Linda can testify to this, those who are online can testify to this. Our prayer list is shrinking because God is answering prayer. He is. He is answering prayer and we're seeing things take place where people who have been struggling for months, man, 
Change has taken place and people are being set free. Healing is taking place and we're still believing for mighty miracles and moves of God and we believe, I believe, that those miracles are gonna take place and it's going to be a catalyst for where we're heading as a church. You ought to understand that a church should be calling you into deeper relationship with Jesus and it should be pushing you to share that relationship with other people. Worship team, would you come? The question or the push today is the motivation today is this, is what does your relationship with Jesus look like this morning? What does it look like tomorrow? What does it look like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? What does it look like? Do you need to wake up 10 minutes earlier in your day? Do you need to go to bed 10 minutes later? Listen, if you're a parent with young kids, you understand how difficult it is to spend time with Jesus during your day. Listen, I go home and I am on until those kids go to bed. So even though I am not a morning person, I began waking up early because I am no longer a night person because of children. But the, but the point of today Where I'm pushing us today is to understand that Jesus is calling you deeper in your relationship with him. And he's pushing you to share that relationship with others that they could also be a part of his kingdom in the family, in this church. United Church, I believe that great things are in store for this body. Because even with 20 people out, there's still enough people here that we go, oh, wow, this is where we were with COVID. We're obviously growing. Why? Because people are sharing. As I'm having conversations with individuals, it's obvious that Jesus is calling us deeper. And sometimes him calling us deeper is because we're walking through difficult seasons in life. Amen. I've said it before. My back injury, I would not wish on anyone. But I thank God that I can use it every day as a tool to help me understand how much I need him every day. We're going to sing this song of reflection. The altars are open. If you need to make a commitment and say, Jesus, I've been, I've been on the sidelines. It's time for me to jump in. It's time for me to spend time in your word and time in prayer and time in worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day.